So uh, I, I, twice in my life, I've almost been arrested, right? <laughs> Somebody's hiding in the back. We're like, oh, okay. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm one of the pastors here on staff. It's kind of a requirement, actually. Um, all, again, I said almost. So I don't have a record. I don't, not that I'm aware of. Um, so I've almost been arrested uh, twice. One of them I'll save for another day. I don't know when that story will come up, but I'm sure at some point it will be applicable to what we're discussing. Um, so I was in Cuba in, t- yeah, in 2003. And I was there with a the, with the team. Uh, we were there doing missions work, helping out at a camp, you know, just serving and, and blessing where, uh, where we could be, a- anywhere, any crack or crevice that we could bless. Uh, we were there. So in 03, we were in Cuba. And um, we just got done working at this camp, and we were in the center of town. And our team, they all, we all split up. Like, go, just go talk to people. Talk to people, hear their story, find out, you know, just where they are, and see if there's any way that we can help in any way. Great, that's easy. So I don't know where the person is that I was supposed to be, you know, paired up with. But I'm, I'm walking around, and I come across this guy, and start talking to him, and kind of hearing his story and telling him a little bit of what I'm doing. And a normal-looking guy, just kind of, you know, it's Cuba, and it's hot, and he's just in a floral shirt and shorts and whatever. And, and he says, do you know that you're in front of a government building right now? <coughs> I did not. I do know now. And... Um, can I see some identification? Sure, no problem. Oh, see, my, my team member has it. Now, if you could just give me one sec, and I turn around, no one. There's people. Nobody from my team is around. I'm like, okay, this is great. This is great. Now, let's take a time out. The reason I didn't have identification on me is so that I'm 20 years old, so I didn't lose it. One person was carrying all the passports and all the medical forms, you know, it's like us young people, teenagers, someone's obviously bound to lose something important on the way. So one person, you know, kept it like locked in their bag. So I had no identification. Had I, I have identification. It's somewhere. I don't know where, currently speaking. Why don't you come inside with me into this government building in Cuba? How about I not? Can I not? Can I... I'm really sorry if you could just let me go on my merry way. I mean, that would be great. And internally, of course, I'm thinking, Lord, help, please. I'm too young. This is Cuba. I don't know what happens to Americans here when they go in buildings like that. (laughs) All of a sudden, this guy's demeanor changes. He says, all right, go. Get out of here. Number one, know where you are. Number two, carry identification. It tells you what you're doing here so that this will never happen again. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. And I run, I bolt, find my team members like around corners, like down an alley, and I'm like, where are you guys? Oh, we were helping this lady, and we met so-and-so's cousin, and they brought us into their home, and we're trying to help, that, help them out over here. I almost got arrested. That sounds great. What a great story. We never think about identification, right? Until we actually need it. You get pulled over by a cop. License registration. Oh no, where's my license? 
Oh, it's in my other bag. It's in my other pant pocket. I don't have that wallet. Right? We never think about identification until it's lost or unless we actually need it. You guys are like, yeah, that's true. That's true. I got pulled over yesterday. I didn't have my license. Ah. What about spiritually? See, I'm convinced that part of the reason that we struggle through life so much is that we don't think about identification until we actually need it, until there's there's a, a crisis of our identity that that identification comes up. And because we never reach for it, and it's never in the back of our minds, something that should be small, potentially small, becomes crisis, becomes chaos in our lives. You've all been there, right? There's a lie, there's some kind of whisper that goes on in your mind, and you run with it. You run with that thing so far and so deep, and so we've all been there. And the reason that Jesus came was to give us a new new identity. The reason that Jesus came was to give us a new identification. One that we can constantly be reminding ourselves of. See, this is why it's so important to gather together on a Sunday morning. Trust me, we don't do this for our own health. The reason we gather Sunday mornings, the reason we encourage missional communities, the reason we are trying to figure out how to do family on mission together is so that we are constantly being reminded, reminding ourselves, and reminding one another of our identity in Christ. Amen? Because we need it. We need our, our hearts to be gospeled on a continual basis. If you have your Bible, open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to pick it up in verse 1. If you've got a blue Bible, it's on page 578. 578 verses will also be on the screen. I will be hopping around little by little. Here and there. It says this. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. Verse 5. People from Jerusalem and from all over Judea and all over the Jordan Valley valley, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Skip down to verse 11. I baptize you with, this is John speaking, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to step up. Sorry. Skip down to verse 13. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. 
After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. It's a huge time in the life of Jesus, for obvious reasons. But something that's that's happening on the peripheral is that God is creating a movement amongst his people, Israel. John, who's kind of a weird guy, Jesus' cousin, he is giving a strong message to the people. Repent of your sins. Turn away from them and turn to God for forgiveness of sins. If you guys remember, what is repentance? When we look at it coming around the Cairo circle, repentance is, stop, is us stopping the believing of lies about God. So when we repent, what we're saying is we're no longer believing that God, is not, that God is not good. We're no longer believing that God is not great. We're no longer believing that God does not forgive. We're no longer believing that God doesn't love me. We're no longer believing that God doesn't see me, that he doesn't hear me, that he doesn't meet my needs. We're no longer believing this. We're no longer believing that I have to be in control of my own life so that things can go okay for me. We're not believing those things. When we repent, we're beginning to say in our hearts and in our lives that God is good, that God is great, that God is glorious, and that God is gracious to us, that God loves us, that he cares, that he's powerful, that he sees us in the midst of our, of our issues, and he meets our needs. So he's calling the people, repent, whatever, whatever your sins are, turn away from them, repent. Believe in God. Trust in Him. And come to Him for forgiveness of sins. But John is being very clear about something. He says, I baptize you with water. This is just a sign. This is just a symbol of what God is doing in your life. Someone is coming. Someone greater than I am. He is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Simply meaning that God is coming, that there is one that is coming who is going to change you from the inside out. You're doing an outward act, but there is someone who's going to come that is going to make this baptism whole, that is going to make this baptism complete, that is going to change you from the inside out. And so there's this whole move that's happening, and people from all over the place are showing up to the Jordan River, and they're being baptized by John. And so Jesus shows up, and he wants to be baptized. And this throws John for a loop. No, no, this isn't how these things work. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy of you to be before you. I'm not worthy to be your slave. And yet, this is what you are desiring. This doesn't make any sense. I can't do it. If anything, the, the, the flip should happen. This should be an inverse. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, we have to do all that God commands. John does so, baptizes Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus. And then we have just an acknowledgement from God the Father, right? A beautiful moment for Jesus. The Father speaks to him, says, this is my son. I'm well pleased in him. I love him. I embrace him. I accept him. Huge moment. 
But here's the question. Why? Why does Jesus need to be baptized? If we look at baptism for what it is, it's very simple. You repent of your sins, you turn to God for forgiveness of sins, and you get baptized. Why would Jesus need to be baptized? If what we know about Jesus is true from what the Bible tells us, that he's blameless, that he's sinless, that he was pure, that he was the Son of God, why would the Son of God need to commit an act that has to do about forgiveness of sins? That doesn't make any sense. These things don't mesh, mesh together. number of reasons. One, the re- first reason why Jesus came to be baptized by John. He was approving of John's work. We read that before. John was the forerunner. Jo- John was a person coming ahead of Jesus to prepare the way, to prepare the people's hearts. So Jesus shows up onto the scene to acknowledge and recognize that what John was a part of was a move that God had created and started. So there was an approval aspect for John. John, this is good. This is what God desires. This is what God is doing. Bless you. Wow. It's good. Um, This is what God desires. Good work. Good job. Number two. Jesus, we see, is already setting the tone of obedience to the Father. All throughout the scriptures, we, 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 we read that whatever the Father does, whatever God the Father does, Jesus does. Whatever he says, Jesus, is, Jesus works through. If God isn't doing it, then Jesus isn't doing it himself. If God is doing it, then Jesus is. So he's setting this tone already for obedience in his life and in his ministry. Here's a big thing. Back in Exodus, let's take a quick time out. Back in Exodus 27, I believe, 27. Moses, you guys remember Moses. Moses is the guy in Exodus, the movie Exodus, Christian Bale, right? No? Not Christian Bale? He had the beard working for him, though. Um, I keep telling Carrie that the new, the new Moses, like 30 years from now, is going to be Matthew McConaughey. You've seen him in the, in the Lincoln commercials? He's got, like, that beard working. No? Okay, so anyway, um, Exodus, Moses, right? Moses is leading the people out of Egypt. And so they're in the wilderness. And he's teaching the people how they are to interact with God. How, are they, they're, how they're supposed to come before God. And so in the passage, wow, that thing is popping like crazy. Can you turn it down just a little bit, maybe? Um, maybe cut the lows on it a little bit. Um, yeah, burning bush. No, we're way beyond the burning bush here. Hmm, okay. So, um, anyway, so Moses is talking to the priests, talking to the people. This is how you interact with God. Here's how you bring sacrifices to God. Because back then, as a symbol, the nation of Israel would sacrifice an animal for their sins to God. And God would cover over their sins. It wasn't final. It wasn't this like magical formula, right? Like Disney World. It's not like that. God would take that as a symbol that the people were repenting of their sins and coming to God for forgiveness. And so what they would do is they would bring a bull in and they would wash this bull with water. And they would anoint this bull with oil. Oil was always a symbol throughout the Bible of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus is coming to set the tone of obedience to God, but really what's happening here is phase one of his purification process. 
See, Jesus came into the world to be that ultimate sacrifice for us sinners. He was going to take upon himself the sins of the world. He was going to die on the cross. Three days later, he would rise again. But to be that ultimate sacrifice, no more bulls, no more pigeons, no more animals, no more sacrifice, no more lambs, none of those things. Jesus himself was that ultimate sacrifice. And so he comes to John to be baptized, to be purified with water. He's being baptized. In that moment, he's saying, I'm dying to myself and I'm doing everything that the Father is desiring of my life. And then we see the Holy Spirit come down upon him. Just like that anointing with oil, the Holy Spirit comes down upon Jesus as a dove. Phase one of Jesus' purification process is complete. He can start his ministry. He can go forward and do everything that we read about in the Gospels, in the Scriptures. Jesus comes in full obedience, knowing exactly what his life means and how we depend on him as humanity. And he does this for us. He is ready to be that sacrifice. One more. Hold on. Kind of went a little long on that one. So, lastly, Jesus identifies with sinners. He identifies with humanity. You guys know this. This resonates real close to home. For us, it's really hard for us to resonate with someone who's different than we are, right? When, when someone can't share our struggles together, when someone doesn't know where we're coming from, when someone doesn't, hasn't been through the battles in life that we've been through, hasn't been through the things in life that we've been through, there's less that we share together, right? We, we, just, we tend to not follow someone like that. Like, oh, well, your life's been perfect. Your life's been easy. You know, look at my life. And so in that moment, Jesus is identifying with sinners. Jesus is identifying with the nation, with humanity. Before Jesus can become king of Israel, he needs to become just like them. He needs to be counted as just like them. He needs to become their representative. And so he identifies with humanity in this way. Okay, so those are the four reasons why Jesus is baptized. Approval of John's ministry, identifying with humanity, being obedient to the Father, and being prepared as the the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of the world. Cool? So why do we get baptized? Why have we been baptized? Why think about baptism? One, baptism for us is a public declaration that we believe and we trust in Jesus and all that he says he is, all that scripture says he is, that he's the son of God, that he came to die die on the cross for our sins. We are placing our faith in that and we're declaring publicly to our church family that we believe this. Two, just like in John's day, nothing's changed. We repent of our sins. We turn to God for the forgiveness of our sins. See, what happens in baptism, if you guys have experienced this yourself, if you've never seen this, I'm going to explain to you what happens. In baptism, we believe that someone should be submerged fully in water, right? And so when you go to be baptized, you, we're there with you. We ask you a couple of questions. Do you believe Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Yes, I do. Great. I baptize you in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we hold you down in the water for about a minute and a half. 
What? You do? No, we don't. It's like 30 seconds. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. So we put you down underwater. And um, in that moment, what you're saying, what you're stating with your life is that that person who I used to be, that person who is controlled by fear, who is controlled by anger, pride, insecurity, that person that believed the lies, that God is not good, that God does not have his best for me, that God doesn't care, that God doesn't forgive, that I, I could play a better God in my own life than God ever could. That person is dead. That's the old me. That's the old Aaron Weiss. That's the old Toby. The old Chris Allen. That person's gone. That person's done. And when you come up out of the water, you see how that was like a minute and a half right there? No. No. You go down and you come up. When you come back up, it's a symbol that I am identifying with the new life that Jesus has given me. He has made me new. He has made me into the person that believes that God is great, that God is good, that God is loving, that God is forgiving, that God carries my sin, my shame, my guilt, my burden. I am a new person. We declare that with our lives. We, we declare that God has done this already. So there's nothing like, I don't want to say crazy, there's no, there's, no, there's no magic formula that comes out of being baptized. That's the best way that I, that I describe it. Because baptism is important. Jesus declares and commands that all of his disciples, anyone that wants to come follow Jesus, should be baptized. Why? Because it's part of our identification with Jesus. We declare, we identify that that person is gone, that I've been raised to new life. A couple of verses for you. Romans well, first, Matthew 28, 18 to 19. Jesus commands this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So as disciples, we get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we are called to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 6. Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Baptism is important, but baptism is not a magical formula. It's part of our identification process. See, being that we are part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, our, our statement of faith is that we believe that baptism does not save you. Okay, baptism is important. It's one of the two ordinances that we were left with by Jesus. Be baptized and take communion every time we gather together. Remember him, remember his death, life, his life, death, and resurrection. But in baptism, baptism doesn't save us. It identifies us with who we belong to. We die to our old self. We declare that when we come up out of the waters, we have already been made new. It's just a symbolism and a public declaration to our family of what we believe Jesus has done in our lives and will continue to do in and through our lives. Clear? Can I keep going? 
Anybody stuck? Carry on. Okay. So, what does this have to do with us? If you've never been baptized, and maybe this morning you're thinking, oh, that's something I probably should do. I'm following Jesus. Jesus is changing my life. I'm being transformed. I'm being healed. Sunday, June 28th, we will not be meeting here. We will be meeting at Crestwood Lake for our all-church kind of day, celebration. We have a time of worship in the morning. We have our time of baptism with however many people want to be baptized that day. Um, And then we get to eat pizza and play soccer and have softball and have all sorts of fun. And I guess people can swim in the lake. I won't. Um, Can't swim. Um, So if you want to be baptized, speak to me, Jeremy, Speak to a missional community leader about that. Let us know. Don't just show up that day. Kind of, you know, talk to us. Prep us that this is what you're desiring uh, to do with your life. You're making that next step to publicly declare in front of the community that Jesus is Lord of your life. Um, so do that. Think about it. Talk to me afterwards if you have more questions on it. Cool. Here's the kicker. The big one. Maybe you've been sitting in your seat this morning, and you're thinking to yourself, oh man, I've already been baptized. I've already heard this. You know, this would have been a really good Sunday to, you know, sleep in, go to the shore, in the rain, go for a run, play a little soccer. I don't know. Whatever it is you might decide to do on a Sunday morning. In the words of Susie Wilson, wrong-o. You guys ever gotten that from Susie? How many of you have gotten that from Susie? I've gotten it like 17 times. Omar, I did wrong. All right, anyway. Um, for those of us who have already done this, this morning is a gut check morning. Should be a gut check morning. The question that we need to wrestle with as followers of Jesus who have already been baptized is how are you doing with your identity? How are you doing with your identification as a follower of Jesus? See, I like in a morning like today, the, the gospel should never become boring to us. If the gospel becomes boring to us, there's certainly something off about what we believe about God, about who he is, and what he's done for us. If it ever becomes old news to you, if the good news becomes old news to you, then you need to talk to somebody about where you are faith-wise. And we are happy to be able to walk you through whatever it is that you're struggling with and whatever it is that's creating this block in your life. See, I like in a morning like today where we're reminded of what Jesus has done continually and who God is and the truth of who he is to like um, whenever I'm at a wedding ceremony like with Carrie and, and the minister is giving his charge to the couple that's standing there, I know that he's not talking to me. I understand that as a guest of the people getting married that I'm just listening in to, to specifically what's happening there. But deep in my soul there is like this new resolve to like put my big boy pants on and step up again, right? In those moments, like I, I, I like tend to hug Carrie like a little tighter, squeeze her hand a little harder, not too hard because I don't want to hurt her, but like squeeze her hand a little, a, a little tighter. And what I'm trying to communicate in those moments is I'm really sorry for where I fail you daily. Um, that I, 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 I still love you. I love you more today than I ever have. And the big boy pants are on to, yes, dance when this whole thing's over. And, um, but more importantly than that, to 
be better, right? How can I show her anew? How can I show her again that I love her? When we see people get baptized, when we hear the gospel, when we, talk, when we have a talk like this, it should be a gut check to our identity and how we are doing as followers of Jesus. Let's look at it a different way. Someone that becomes a police officer. They have a shield, they have a gun, you know they're a cop. They've taken an oath. They've taken an oath to never compromise on their integrity, on their character, to never... Um, create public distrust amongst the community. When, it, when, when an officer takes their oath, they're saying it's about the community. It's about serving and protecting everyone around me. Even if it means what it can mean for their life, right? They take an oath. But, it, but if you see some, a, a police officer who acts out of character, right? They don't even have to be wearing a badge nor have, nor have their gun on them. But if they are doing something that's out of character, you know in, in your mind and in your heart, there's something wrong with this picture. That's not right. You're not just a cop when you in, or in your, you know, police outfit. Is that what you call it? Uniform. Uniform, thank you. I was like, what's the word? Searching. It's like the Rolodex was like going through in my mind. I just didn't get to you. You know, I was like at R and I just... Uniform. There you go. Wow. Um, right? They don't have to be in uniform to, to, to be in character. And when they're out of character, it's like your, your mind is blown. I'm a part of Rotary. One of the mottos at Rotary is service above self. It's one of the things that we say we live by. And it's hilarious that when people start going at it, because we're all human, we're reminded of that. That doesn't sound like service above self to me. That doesn't look like service above self to me. As a follower of Jesus, and those of us that have been baptized, we've already made the declaration that we believe in Jesus, that we trust in him for salvation, all of that. And part of our identification is this baptism. We've declared publicly The old self has been put to death. When Jesus died, that old self was put to death. And there is someone new. Someone that's been healed. Someone that's been changed. Someone that has been transformed. Already. By the gospel. By who Jesus is and what he's done. So my question for you is, how is your identification doing? When you leave from here, do the people around you notice that you're not the same you that you were five years ago, ten years ago, six months ago? Is there something different about the way you live your life and the way you carry yourself? What are we reflecting to the world around us? So here's your challenge. Yay, challenge. Um, you're, you're all charged to talk to your missional community leader about how your identification is going. Call up your MC leader this week. They'd love to talk to you about how I'm doing, how I feel like I'm doing, and my identity. If you've never been baptized, I invite you to come talk to me, talk to Jeremy, 
talk to us about where you are in that process. And Lord willing, you know, hopefully baptize you. But this morning is a reminder of our identity and our identification in Jesus Christ. We have been saved. We are being sanctified. God is creating us new. He is transforming every crack and crevice in our soul. Amen? Cool. I'm going to invite the band up. Jeremy will come up and do communion. And I will pray for us. Father, thank you for the reminders that you give to us. And who we belong to, God. We belong to you. As a church family, <clears throat> you are head, you are our Lord, you are King. We are your sons and we are your daughters. Father, forgive us if our identification has been off, Lord. If we, if we have again tried to be God of our lives, King of our dominions, Queen of our communities, forgive us for that, God. And Lord, help us to love you better. Help us, God, to identify with you anew, Lord. That you would never become old news to us, God. But that you would continually speak the truth of who you are in our lives and that we would continually be re-energized and refreshed by that. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In your name, amen.